Well, good morning, friends, <laughs> and thanks for those of you who've been praying. Um, welcome to uh, St. Matt's online. Uh, we're hoping we'll be able to broadcast the whole of our um, 8 o'clock service uh, this morning without any, any further uh, technical hitches. And uh, Deb, welcome to you. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, it's been a rocky start, but here we are in the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so thank you for, for, interacting, <laughs> for interacting with people and letting them know where we're up to. What are, you, what are you hearing as um, you're reading the chats? Well, I know that everybody's been praying and enjoying the summer, and uh, I was really grateful to hear uh, that verse that uh, John shared with us from Psalm 9, told everybody to look it up, and it says there, For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. And something very encouraging. Can yeah. I share that with you? Go ahead. This week I've been the person who, uh, oh, in the last few weeks, who's been answering the texts for the banner in Manly. And... Last Tuesday morning during the parish prayer meeting, somebody actually messaged in and said our prayers of 10 days before had been answered. And that was so encouraging. And I just think as I read that verse that he never forsakes those who seek him, the people that are texting in are really seeking after God. Mm -hmm. And so it's a wonderful encouragement to think to ourselves that we're able to pray for those people. So keep praying for them, that God will meet them at their point of need. Thank you. Uh, it's great to hear that. Uh, our first hymn is one which calls on people everywhere to praise and worship God who is our Saviour, who is our Lord and who loves us more than we know. So as Barb and Martin and Margaret lead us, why don't you join in singing, You Servants of the Lord. Never ceasing I 
welcome again to St Matthew's uh, live here uh, from the Corso uh, online. It's great to see you all here. Uh, my name is Andrew Graham. For those of you who don't know me, who may be tuning in for the first time, uh, I'm one of the ministers here at St Matthew's uh, with a particular focus on the people who normally meet here at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning uh, together with pastoral care across our church family. It's lovely to have you here. Actually, um, while you're here, it'd be nice to know that you've um, uh, you've been online, uh, so through the service, uh, you'll see a QR code uh, comes up, uh, which will take you to a form where you could just let us know that you've been here. We'd love to be in contact with you uh, through the week. Uh, but welcome, it's good to have you here. Uh, our topic today, uh, which our, our Senior Minister Bruce Clark will be speaking on, is marriage uh, from the Bible. And marriage is such a beautiful gift of God, which has brought such joy to so many and is such a uh, a vital part of our of building our society, uh, but it can also be a cause of terrible grief and difficulty in this fallen world. Uh, so it'll be great to turn to the scriptures uh, and to hear from uh, from God's word itself, from God Himself, as our senior minister Bruce uh, helps us understand what God has to say on this matter. Uh, also in our service uh, today. Uh, Ken Stewart has popped in. He's just moved recently from Fairlight up to DY. So we'll hear a little bit of how that move's gone as he uh, will do the, the reading from the scriptures for us. Uh, but right now, Deb is going to lead us in, um, in prayer. So please lead us, Thanks, Deb. Thanks, Andrew. Thank We're going to start our time of prayer together by joining in a prayer of confession where we acknowledge our sin together, our personal sin and our corporate sin. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have loved us with an everlasting love, but we have often gone our own way and rejected your will for our lives. We are sorry for our sins and turn away from them. For the sake of your Son who died for us, forgive us, cleanse us and change us. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to live for you and to please you in every way for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And a word of assurance from a scripture, we know that God is slow to anger and full of compassion, that he forgives all who humbly repent and trust in his Son as Saviour and Lord, and that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. But what more appropriate way to respond to that? than to pray the words of the psalm that thanks him for that. So we're going to join together with some words from Psalm 103. Join me as we pray together from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all his work everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. 
So great his love for those who fear him. So far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So slightly round the wrong way, but beautiful words, whatever word, way that we pray them, and we'll get those right next time that we do them. So we're going to move on now to a time of prayer where we bring before the Lord the things that are on our hearts and the things that we know are on his heart. We sang in our first song, Your kingdom is glorious and rules over all. Let's pray. But Lord, we admit that it doesn't always feel that way. But we know that you, Lord, you are the light of the world and you bring light out of darkness. We pray that those who live in darkness would know your light and that you would bring your light to bear on our suffering world. As we pray for our world, in a week where the attacks on the World Trade Center 20 years ago have been commemorated, while related violence continues in Afghanistan, we pray for your mercy on this broken and divided world. Not forgetting that there are many places where people suffer silently and with no access to help or media to draw attention to their plight. But you know who they are, dear Lord. Shine your light. Lord, we pray for our nation and for those who are in authority over us, Scott Morrison, Gladys Berejiklian, Michael Reagan and others who make decisions affecting our lives in both big and small ways. Give them wisdom as they consider plans for our region, state and country. We ask that the weak, the poor and the marginalised would be provided for and in the light of all you've given us, many people who are displaced and fleeing might find refuge here. Shine your light. We pray for those in our own community here at St Matthews who need your light right now. We bring them before you, Lord. Shine your light. May we be a community united in the love of Christ and a blessing to the broader community around us. We pray for those who have messaged in prayer requests in response to the banner and thank you for that response of answered prayer. We pray that you would meet each one at that, their point of need, knowing that those who seek after you will surely find you. Shine your light. And Father, we pray today for our mission partner, the Bloomers in Austria. We join them in rejoicing that three people are to be baptised in their church today and ask each of them will keep growing as followers of Jesus. As a new year begins, we ask that the English Centre would be a blessing to students in their language work and in their grasp of the good news of Jesus. We also pray that you'll meet the needs of the church to find a new place to gather and for Andrew and the other elders to care well for the congregation in, certain time, in uncertain times. And Father, as we prepare for the week ahead, Strengthen and guide us each day to be faithful to you in all that we do, to say and to think all that you want us to say and think. May our love abound more and more into knowledge and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best and be pure 
and blameless until the time that Christ comes again. In Jesus' name, shine your light. Amen. Thanks so much, Deb, for that. Isn't it great knowing that God is there listening, uh, only too eager to answer our prayers? He's a loving Father. Uh, friends, during, um, uh, during this, this now extended uh, shutdown, our communication with each other is ever more important. Uh, so if there are needs that you have or that you're aware of uh, that you'd like to bring to the attention of the staff team, uh, you can use our, our Connect card, um, which is there on the screen. Just use the QR code there. Or please call the office. I'll actually be away uh, for the next uh, few days, so I won't be available. Uh, but Deb's available and other staff are available and very happy to uh, do what we can uh, to assist you. And of course, if you're new with us, as I said before, we'd love to hear from you and be in touch with you during the week. Uh, what we're going to do now is sing together another great hymn of praise to our God who is immortal though invisible. Uh, so please join uh, Barb and Martin and M Margaret as they lead us. So nice to see you uh, down at St Matthew's. It's some time since we've seen each other. Uh, we used to both live in the same cul-de-sac just off Sydney Road in Fairlight and in the last few months we've both, both moved. So you to DY, uh, Rhonda and I up to Balgala. What, what are some of the things that you're thankful for at the moment, Ken? Well, firstly, I'm thankful that I'm able to be here this morning and participate yeah. in the service. But 
I really want to thank God for a number of things. Firstly, for the successful sale of my house in Fairlight back in March, yeah. and then my move to a beautiful new apartment in DY. Mm. And, uh, and I also want to thank the Lord for that I managed to get my trip into Arnhem Land <laughs> in June, which was postponed from last year. And it was quite amazing that we just finished the trip and then all the borders started to close down. So it was truly amazing. I'm sure God was there leading. We had a fabulous trip. But I'd also just find it, I'd like to thank the Lord for the beautiful northern beaches and for the beautiful weather that he's given us over these last few weeks and months, that we have so many wonderful places we can yeah. get out in our community and go for walks. So I'm really thankful to the Lord that we were able to do that and enjoy the, what we have here on the northern beaches. He is very kind to us, isn't he? He is, yeah. yeah. And I have so much to thank him for this yeah. year. So despite the challenges of the lockdown, yeah. there's always, always things to look positively at. Yeah, good. Well, you're going to read the scriptures for us. It's great to have you doing that. I'll leave you to that, and Bruce will come and join us in a minute. Okay. Well, good morning, everybody. The reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, which which we'll find, I'm going to be reading verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 25, to chapter 5, verse 2. If you have your Bible handy, I'll just give you a moment to find the reading. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. May the Lord bless to us this reading from his word this morning and to his name be all glory and praise. get myself organised. Stuart just saw me do a dash behind him to get my clicker. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the marriages that around us that we're part of. And as I speak today, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to just build our marriages upon you and your love. 
and build marriages that would endure and be a light to the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was the 20th of May, 1989. And if I can be very honest, I had no idea what I was doing. The week before, I'd bought myself a new pair of shoes. And uh, the day before, I went down to the barber, chats with Chase, got my hair cut. I can remember waking up that morning at about 10, 10.15. I can't remember who, but someone came and picked me up and took me down to St Albans Linfield Church. And that was the day I got married. And I remember seeing my wife walk into Jeremiah Clark's trumpet solo. Um, Howard Peterson was playing it. It was amazing. About 40 minutes later, or not 40, 20 minutes later, I remember taking Kat's hand and looking into her eyes and saying these words. I, Bruce, in the presence of God, take you, Catherine, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, as long as we both shall live. This is my solemn vow and promise. There's a photo of Kath and myself on that day. And if I'm to be very honest, as I said at the top, I really had no idea what I was doing. And it's not because I didn't want to do it. I was absolutely committed to doing it. I was excited to do it. But who actually knows what they're doing on that day when they say those words, those unconditional promises? And it's not that I don't understand English. I understand English. I knew what the words meant. But at one level, I had no idea what they meant because I didn't know what they would come to mean. And that's the reality of marriage. We say these unconditional promises to each other and then we set out on this life journey where we don't know what's ahead. All we know is that we've promised to do it together and to love each other. And so marriage is this incredible relationship which is both rich and complex all at the same time. And there's three things I want to say to us as I speak on marriage in this One Another series, and I realise that not everyone who's listening is married, and hopefully some of the things I say are just as applicable for the friendships we're in. And I've got no doubt that the Bible reading has much to say to all of us at that level. But three things I do want to say this morning is, firstly, marriages are important. Secondly, marriages can be difficult, but, and importantly, marriages can thrive. So firstly, marriages are important. I don't want to spend too long on this, um, but I do want to make a point of saying it because there is a significance about marriage in our world in the way God has made this creation. And I was reading a website uh, about marriages and it put it this way in terms of research about the significance of marriage in society. It said this, marriage is the foundational relationship for all society. All other relationships in society stem from the father-mother relationship, and that's absolutely true. And these and other relationships thrive most if that father-mother relationship is simultaneously <coughs> a close and closed husband-wife relationship. Good marriages are the bedrock of strong societies for they are the foundation of strong families. In other words, we want strong marriages because they will produce strong families which is just good for the whole world it's good for our culture but secondly marriage is important not because it's just good uh significant uh, not just because it's important in society but it's actually a symbol of the gospel 
And we could have spoken today, and I could have spoken today from Ephesians 5. I have spoken from that passage uh, on a number of occasions, so we've picked a different reading today. But Ephesians 5, uh, in terms of the section on marriage from verse 21 to 32, has this detailed description of the husband and wife and how they're to relate to each other. But you get to the end and you get this surprising phrase, and he says in verse 31, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And you might ask yourself the question, what is Paul saying here? Well, what he's saying is that the way a husband and wife relate to each other in a marriage is actually a symbol that points towards the gospel. And he says, actually, I'm talking about Christ and the church when I'm talking about marriage. And so marriages are particularly important because they are this one relationship that God has created that points forward to the gospel relationship we have with God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for that reason, it is incredibly important because marriages, when they are working well, are this incredible witness to the love, truth and grace that we find in Christ in the gospel. So marriages are important. But for anyone who's been married, it's not... Um, it's an obvious thing to say, but marriages can be very difficult. And I think we've been married for all of about four weeks. <laughs> and I remember my wife being quite upset with me. And it was all to do with my bathroom habits. Now, that's all I'm going to say about it. That's all you need to know. But let me just say she wasn't impressed. And I remember thinking, what's the problem? <laughs> this is how I've always lived. Uh, well, it was a problem, let me say that, and uh, that's an understated way of expressing how she felt. And that, that was a small thing at one level, but I mention it because it's typical of all marriages. There will be conflict. Uh, there will be struggles. There will be difficulties. And for the remaining 32 years since that first month, uh, for Kath and myself, there's been all sorts of issues and struggles and conflicts that we've had to navigate. It's just the reality of two sinful people who are self-focused, living closely together. Because that's what marriage is. And it's a miracle, you could say, that they actually survive, when you think about it in those terms. Two self-focused, sinful people in the most close, intimate relationship, doing life together. And so the reality is, marriages can be very difficult. And through my time as a minister, I've observed many things and many struggles that couples have. And you can see very difficult marriages that people endure. Sadly, I've seen dead marriages where the sense of love and affection long left the marriage. There's divorce marriages where, for whatever reason, people just said, I can't do it anymore. And then the worst of all, there are domestically violent or abusive marriages. And if I can just stop and say a word there on that issue. Sadly, there's too many marriages in our society that are afflicted by domestic violence or abuse. And we are not free of that here at St. Matthews. And so it may be violence, it may just be control. It may not be violence, it may be the sense of just abuse and control. Whatever it is, it's wrong. Uh, I'm not going to say much about it here. I did speak uh, briefly about it and referred people to some things in my weekly email. But I would want to say this. Um, if you're in such a marriage where you are the victim, uh, we do want to support you and help you, including if that means moving out. 
because we want to stand with you and we want to stand against abuse in marriages. And if you need help, I would say please contact one of the pastoral staff because we absolutely want to help anyone who's in an abusive marriage. What I want to look at now, though, is what the Bible says is why. Why do we have difficulties in marriage? And it's good to understand this because all of us in marriages will have some difficulties. Uh, you can't avoid it. Conflict is unavoidable in marriage. And Ephesians 4, uh, verse 25 to 5 to 1, uh, is the passage we read today. And it's a passage that is just about general relationships. And I've picked it particularly because I have spoken on the specific passage of Ephesians 5, 21 to 32 before. And I also thought it's a good passage for those who are not married because it just speaks generally of the issues that we struggle with relationally. Let me read to you um, from Ephesians 4, uh, verse 25, uh, these words. I haven't got it up on the screen, so if you've got your Bibles there, do look with me. Therefore, each of you must put off, and he's talking about the things that we've got to get rid of, remove from the relationships we're in, and I want to say in the marriages that we're in. He said, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but they must work doing something useful with their own hands. They may have something, so that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Uh, it's quite a significant, intense list of the sins of people in relationships and the struggles we have because of who we are. And if I could apply this to the context of spouses within a marriage, what I'd say is, there are a number of things within a marriage relationship that we just need to work on. We need to eliminate. We need to put off, to use Paul's language. We need to put off lying. We actually need to be people who speak the truth to each other in our marriages. It can be difficult at times, but we need to work on speaking the truth in love to each other and hearing that. We need to resolve anger within marriage and conflicts. And those famous words, don't go to bed before you've resolved the conflict. Don't let the sun go down because the devil's going to be at work. It talks about stealing and I was thinking about that. Um, how often do we take from our spouse in different ways rather than serve our spouse and give to them? And it can just be the simplest things of time, but it can also be money in the sense of hogging stuff for ourselves and not thinking about how we serve our beloved. It struck me that the list speaks of being self-focused and so many marriages struggle because one spouse thinks only of their needs over against the needs of the other. And fighting. One of the reasons why marriages can get into great difficulty is there is this endless cycle of negative interactions that just kill marriages. And it can lead to bitterness and resentment where couples look with disdain at their spouse and they resent them and it can end up being uh, a picture of where you have couples just calling names of each other and sometimes it's just under their breath. Sometimes, sadly, it can be out loud. Oh, you're just lazy. Oh, you're useless. Or whatever. And Paul is saying these characteristics of relationships, we need to shun them. 
we need to get rid of them. And I want to think about these characteristics that will plague all of us because you see all of us are plagued by self-interest all of us are sinful and it will express itself within marriage in a number of different ways and this list is fairly comprehensive I think in the sort of things that couples struggle with and I want to point us to a guy called Dr John Gottman now this is his book here um, the seven principles for making marriage work he's a Jewish man very helpful book He's one of the leading researchers in terms of relationships of marriages. He's been working on researching marriage for over 40 years. Now, such is his work. Um, he scarily has a 91% success rate in predicting when a couple would, will divorce based on his observations of them. And what he does is he brings couples into a kind of, he calls it a love laboratory, where he just observes them living life together. And they spend some time overnight there. And one of the things he notes is, how is it that they engage, particularly around the areas of conflict? He said conflict's unavoidable, and the interesting thing is 70% of it is actually never going to be resolved within a marriage. But how do you deal with it when it comes up? And what he found was there were four behaviours that were destructive in marriage. He calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And these are them. Criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. Let me just say a few words about each one of them. Problems start with couples when they start criticizing their spouse. And you can just hear the words of Ephesians 4 in the background here. You blame them. You criticize them because in some way you see them as being defective in the relationship. And the problem is theirs. But secondly, there's a defensiveness that takes place within the marriage relationship and criticism often leads to defensiveness. It happens when a spouse feels a sense of righteous indignation when criticised and they meet a complaint with a counter complaint and it's so typical you just hear them saying it or they're thinking it, well that's not my fault, that's your fault. And when that continues it leads sadly to this decline in the relationship and what takes root is contempt. And this one is very significant because apparently it's the best predictor of divorce in marriages. And it's different to criticism in that with contempt, people are speaking from a perceived morally higher place and they speak down to their spouse. And couples get there by calling their partners names or just by directly insulting them. And they're just thinking, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. You're lazy. And when you've reached that point in the marriage, so often it ends badly. And the last place is stonewalling. And stonewalling is where there's an emotional withdrawal from conflict. In other words, the conflict tends to stop. And so there's no communication. There's no relational movement in the sense of a spouse moving towards their wife or husband emotionally. But rather there's just this emotional withdrawal. And you'll see it with comments like, when conflict comes up or things are said, whatever. Do what you want. And at that point, the marriage is on its way to death. Criticism, defensiveness, contempt, and stonewalling. And the key issue underneath it all is this lack of respect of the other. And you think about those findings from research 
And I looked at them compared to what you see in Ephesians 4 and they line up scarily when you think about the things that we spoke of from Ephesians 4, the lying, the anger, the stealing, the self-focus, the fighting, the resentment, the name-calling. And what Paul says there in Ephesians 4 is we need to put it off, we need to get rid of it. He says, don't let it happen. Now, it would be very simplistic to think that if you are in a difficult or damaged marriage that you can listen to me today and you can go away and change everything like that. I'm not naive. The path into the problems that people face is often long and what comes with it is habits and patterns of relating that are long-standing and what needs to take place is a rewriting of the script for how you relate together. A re-engagement in conversations that are helpful and productive, not destructive, and that spiral into contempt. And if you are having struggles, I would strongly recommend that you get some counselling with a Christian counsellor to actually have someone who can help facilitate a rewriting of the script and the narrative for how you work together so that you can learn to build helpful paths and patterns of communication together. I'd also recommend some books. Uh, this is a very helpful book, and one of the helpful things is he's got so many practical things to get you talking in ways that are just positive and productive. I've been reading it with Kath. Another great Christian book is Married for God by Christopher Ash or Timothy Keller, The Meaning of Marriage. All these books I'd recommend to you, and there's many others that you could, but there's three. But if you are having struggles, because marriage is difficult, do get some help in one way, shape, or another. But let me move to a positive note, because marriages can thrive. Marriages can be difficult, but they can thrive. Uh, I've been married for 32 years now, and I, it's worth saying, and I'm, we're in a good place. Uh, we've had some tough times, but it's interesting, lockdown has actually brought us together. Our kids are out of home. We love spending time together. We're laughing together. We're having fun together. Um, it's just a great time and marriages can thrive even though they are difficult but what it means is you've got to put the work in and when you get to the back end of the reading there's some very helpful positive statements commands for relationships in general and if you're not married I'd say do these with your friends but for those who are married do them with your spouse and the first thing I want to say is this uh, be kind to your spouse it seems such an obvious thing duh <laughs> I mean seriously but it's how, how often do we forget to just be kind to our spouse? And that's what verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another. It's such a simple thing. But I can almost guarantee you, if you are kind to your spouse every day, it will make an enormous difference. And the thing that matters is, are you kind in the small things in your marriage? Are you doing the things you don't like to do, but you know your spouse would like you to do and wants you to do? It's interesting, um, I was thinking about kindness and I think one of the reasons why it's so profoundly helpful is kindness is built on respect for your spouse. And when husbands and wives feel respected by their partner, it makes an enormous difference. When I finished writing this, I actually put my pen down and I thought I've got to do something kind for my wife. And she had her birthday recently and a whole bunch of flowers came into the house and she said, look, get me some another time. And I thought I hadn't got them. 
And so I said, see you, I'll be back in about 20 minutes. And I just whipped down to Harris Farm and bought her those flowers I promised I would get. And in a vase. Now I'm not trying to boast, I'm just trying to say, do something kind every day. Do something kind this day. And love your wife, love your husband. But secondly, what we need to work on is forgiving our spouses. Uh, as I said, one of the research statistics that John Gottman found was that 70% of conflicts are never resolved. In other words, we don't change who we are. Some people are messy, some people are neat, some people are early, some people are late. Some people are detailed, some people are big picture. And all of the personality quirks we've got often result in some sort of conflict. What matters though is how you deal with it and how you relate to each other in the midst of it. And what he found was the couples that are going well, well, they learn how to navigate those conflicts and not make them the thing that kills the marriage. And Paul says this, forgive each other in verse 32, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And it's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. Forgiveness is a massive issue in marriages and couples need to learn to forgive each other. Now, Scott is going to be dedicating a whole message on this and so I'm not going to leave say much at all. Only to say, um, there's no doubt in my mind that one of the reasons marriages struggle is greatly because of this exact issue that couples hold on to things with a bitterness and they hold them against their spouse and they won't forgive them. And if that's you, you need to hear this verse, forgive each other as Christ, as God has forgiven you through Christ. Forgiving is not an option. But I do want to also say, if you're in an abusive marriage and you are the victim, the sin of your partner is very significant and that needs to be repented of by them. And so don't hear me saying that you are to forgive and just put up with your spouse seeking to control and intimidate you. Please get in touch with people who can help you, including the pastoral staff members that you know and trust. There is no doubt a complexity to the whole topic of forgiveness, which is why we're doing a whole message on it next week. But then lastly, I'd simply say, love your spouse. I love verse 1 of chapter 5. Have a look at it with me. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I'll tell you an interesting fact about this command. I was reading um, a book on Ephesians, a commentary by my former lecturer, Peter O'Brien, and he made the point that on numbers of occasions, the Apostle Paul will say, imitate me as I follow Christ. But he then said, there is no other example in all of Scripture, Old or New Testament, where we are told to imitate God, God the Father. This is the one reference to that. And what is it that we are to imitate? We are to follow God's example and love. Follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. In other words, make love a way of life. And as if to emphasize it he says and follows it on just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God in other words follow the example of God and love and the manner of love that the son has demonstrated for us by giving himself up for us in other words self-sacrificial love but what's profound is what he's saying is the father loves you the son loves you you go and love others 
And so what are we to put into our marriages? Or if you're not married to your friendships? Well, it's love. And let me return to the work of John Gottman on marriage. Because he's got many things to say to help marriages work. And I love what he said. Friendship is extremely important as well as maintaining intimacy in the friendship, in the relationship. And he said three things were key. The first is enhancing your love map. And I love that phrase, a love map. And what he means by that is being known and knowing, having an interest in your partner, understanding what is stressing them out, what they love. Grow that sense of understanding for them and love for them. And then secondly, increase your fondness and admiration. Communicate affection and respect for them. Don't just think about it, but say it. And I want to say that particularly to the blokes. It's not just good enough that you love your wife. You need to tell your wife that you love your wife. You need to tell your wife she's beautiful. You need to tell your wife she's capable. You need to tell your wife she's wonderful. And wives do the same thing. Express affection for your spouse verbalize it verbalize appreciation for them in all the small things of life and lastly turn towards them rather than turn away from them build emotional connections with your spouse by turning towards them when they communicate one of the most important things we can do in our relationship is listen well and respond helpfully not defensively but respectfully, positively, and turn towards them. And I couldn't help but think, what is he describing, John Gottman? Well, it's the practical realities of living a life of love, imitating the example of the Father and the way of the Son. I want to stop now by showing you an interview that really touched my heart. Uh, it's a marriage in the parish that sadly came to an end just four months ago. That of Bruce Baird and his wonderful marriage to his wife, Judy. And I was very struck by his deep love right to the very end and how he modelled the very things I'm talking about all the way through. And so without saying anything more, let's have a listen to the story of a man and the love of his life. I've got with me today Bruce Baird and we're going to be talking about his wonderful marriage to his wife Judy. Sadly in the month of May Judy his wife passed away from a very rare brain degenerative disease and one thing that has greatly struck me in my time here in the parish was just his incredible love and dedication in the marriage to Judy right up to the very end and I bravely asked Bruce would he be prepared to share about his marriage and he very kindly said yes. So welcome along today, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Great to have you here. Um, so a very decorated life, both in the public service, uh, private enterprise, as well as a very uh, distinguished career in politics, both state and federal level. Um, tell us, though, about Judy, because she was the love of your life. When did you first meet Judy? I met Judy at 14 on a harbour cruise um, on the Sydney showboat, it was called. And uh, she invited me to come and visit her, so I rode my bike over to Brightley Sands and she put on Bill Haley and the Comets and I thought she was very cool. Very good, so <laughs> love at first sight. I love, yeah, she, I, I thought she was really lovely. Yeah. Uh, and so that continued on and um, we got engaged at 21. Later. 21? Yeah. Fantastic. Now how long were you married for? 
We're married for just short of 57 years. 57 years. So that's a fair time. It is. Now, for much of your marriage, you had a very public life, both in public service as well as in state and federal politics. What impact did that have on the marriage? Well, it has substantial impact uh, because Judy was by nature an introvert. But a career in terms of where she spent lots of time with diplomatic uh, dinners, cocktail parties, receptions, and then into politics, branch meetings, branch dinners, conferences was not her speed. Uh, she did have the tendency to fall asleep sometimes in, uh, after she'd worked all those psychologists. I doubt she'd be the only one. <laughs> and especially when I was speaking, I did point out it was unhelpful. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, and then, you know, the nasty times when lots of bad headlines are uh, directed at you and also death threats and so on, which were not easy. Mm. Now, in terms of uh, the marriage, um, how did you survive and just get through and not just survive because you really thrived? You know, it's a marriage that lasted the distance with great love. Yeah, well, you know, we had our tough times uh, and to do uh, to go through and, um, you know, it wasn't perfect. We had our ups and downs, um, but we would come together and pray about issues if there were issues there. But Judith also had a had a theme, which is not original, but um, don't get go to bed angry. So if you've got some complaints about one another, you talk about it and resolve it before you go to bed. Ephesians four, it is a great principle. <laughs> Absolutely, don't let the sun go down. Yeah, yeah. Um, you also used to pray a lot together. Yes, we did. You yeah. told me about that. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, when we had issues to pray for, we would come together and pray for those and pray for our children. And even things like uh, um, the Olympic bid, when we're in Monte Carlo together, we were down in our room praying through each member who was voting that they would vote for Sydney because we just believed it would be a great thing for the city. Absolutely. Um, She was a remarkable lady, Judy. What was it that you most loved about her? Uh, Well, she had a lot of endearing features. I think number one is her unconditional love for me. She knew me better than anyone else. My upsides, my downsides, all my failures, she knew. Uh, But she loved me regardless. And it was also her intelligence. uh, She was very bright. A sense of humour. And I think also a strong faith. Now, the last seven years have been very difficult, were, were very difficult, and I remember um, finding out about the fact that she'd been diagnosed with this rare condition, and it literally was just this slow decline in health. Um, she ended up at Estia, up at Manly Vale in the nursing home, and one thing that struck me was that um, you were so devoted to her every day through this whole period, which was not short. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, look, it was it was a slow progression where we didn't know what was going on at first, whether she started to her hands would shake and then she lost movement of her arms, her legs, and then eventually couldn't speak. So I would go up there every day and sometimes it was difficult because of lockdown and they make me come after everyone had gone to bed. That's not easy going through the nursing home. Uh, but she'd be pleased to see me and it, and it came to a point where she couldn't speak and but she could still if you tell her something touching she would cry or even laugh if something was funny Mm. so and then she'd also let you know that she loved me Mm. so um but it was 
you know, touching. And, and in the last few weeks, uh, one of the carers who sang at her funeral service, Lani, would knew all her favourite hymns, she'd recorded them all, and would go up every day and play the guitar with Judy's favourite hymns. And um, her faith was such a strong, positive thing. Instead mm. of saying, just get me out of here, I can't stand it. She had that faith and assurance that Jesus loved her and she knew where she was going. I was very touched at the funeral when you spoke because when you got up there, I never forget, and I won't forget it, that you said she was the love of your life. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and it started when I was, we were very young at 14 and it continued through, through the good times and the tough times and we had our faith together and uh, she was the love of my life. Thank you for sharing today, Bruce. It's been wonderful to hear about the story of your beautiful marriage to Judy. And uh, I'm sure it will have encouraged many people that you can make it to the end, even through the ups and downs of life in marriage. Thank you. Thanks, Bruce. great to see you. Hey, um, thanks for those of you who pray, uh, not just for those of us who are up front, especially for our preachers like Bruce, but for those of you who pray for our tech guys who've just done a a wonderful job today. Uh, Please do keep praying. This is such a a blessing that we've got this medium uh, for keeping in touch with with each other uh, during COVID. Hey, Deb, as as you listen today um, and reflected on what the scriptures say about marriage, and particularly the bits that Bruce was teaching from, was there anything that, um, that struck you? Well, I did note a couple of things down. I always listen very closely. I know the, you do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very encouraging, <laughs> actually, know, the, the way you listen. The path is long. A lot of it's about habits and patterns that are long-standing. 
and I'll be looking at my own habits and patterns mm. in my own marriage and a shout out to a very kind and compassionate husband that I have. But I'll also be looking at other relationships and bad habits and I'll be looking for ways to be kind. Okay. Uh, also, one more thing, I'll sure. also be pasting into the chat the names of the books that Bruce mentioned as well in case any of you are interested. Speaking of the chat, it's so nice to hear from people. Um, to hear from the Morgans down in Canberra, uh, that was lovely to hear from you. I, I want to note that Lydia Scullard often uh, uh, chats in, so lovely to hear from you. And from Alan and Julie Matthews, we enjoy you popping in at 8 o'clock and that you've been online uh, with us here uh, recently. And, and a shout out to some old friends, Annette and Bernard, uh, who, who were chatting there today. I'd also just want to acknowledge that, that a couple of people shared quite personal things in the chat. Thank you for doing that. Uh, we will be praying for you and for, for everyone who's found themselves in a tough spot today for a whole variety of reasons when it comes to maybe it's your marriage or maybe it's the marriage you don't have. You know, there's, there can be so much grief associated with that. We're certainly praying for you. As we wrap up,